join me for our call to worship. Holy mystery, we know it takes little faith to see the sacred in the extraordinary. Yet you constantly remind us that sacred faith is in the ordinary, and it takes courage to believe the mundane can be enough. As we gather, teach us that grace can emerge even through the dull, the slightly disappointing, the not quite right, not quite as we intended, not really what we hoped, the clumsy, the awkward, and the imperfect. Help our active faith be to accept who you are as enough for us. We gather now as a small part of your larger church, praising the name of God, our creator, of Christ, our savior, and of the Holy Spirit, our breath of life. Amen. A prayer written by Cheryl Laurie. And a few of our announcements. First, last week we discussed practicing the presence through gratitude with Leah Weathered. Be sure to check out the podcast if you missed it and visit the small group resources page for some practical ways to engage in gratitude shared by our worship facilitators. On Wednesday, we shared through email some activities to celebrate the mothers in our world. It's not too late to check them out if you'd like some ideas for this day. We included different activities and ideas for a range of age groups, so there's a little something for everyone. You can find the post on our Sunday gatherings page. Last, today's liturgy, discussion, and worship reflection can be found at new-community.com backslash Sunday gatherings. You can also find the recording on SoundCloud and iTunes. New community, glad you are with us on another podcast for a Sunday. Uh, and today is a very special day because it is Mother's Day. So we are hopeful that each of you is having a wonderful uh, day and a great chance to celebrate the special and incredible women in your lives. And uh, today we actually have kind of a unique opportunity for our Sunday podcast where we are going to interview five different uh, and incredible women from our own community to continue to speak about this idea of practicing the presence of God, and specifically, what does that look like in the role of motherhood? Well done, Kev. Thanks, Russ. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so for our listeners, uh, a couple things to be thinking about. First off, can we as parents or can we in life in general uh, figure out how to find God in the midst of the complexity of life. All of us are living in a season of complexity now and moments that are quite ordinary or mundane, and then even moments that seem quite glorious or um, enjoyable. But can we find God in those moments? And uh, this is a unique opportunity for us to really get some perspective on what it looks like to find God in various stages of life and various stages of motherhood. Uh, just as a word of warning to the listeners, uh, there are seven people on this podcast, as Kevin just mentioned, and seven people being uh, cast over seven different locations uh, will create the likelihood that we will talk over one another at some point. Uh, there might be a few moments of awkward silence or an opportunity where uh, two or three people are all chiming in at the same time. We'll do our best not to allow that to happen, but um, our goal is to, uh, I'll add something there, but you get the idea. At any point, if you screw up, you just stop, and then uh, you add to it later. So, um, probably enough about us, huh, Russ? Maybe we introduce or allow uh, our participants to introduce themselves. And one thing before uh, we hear from them, what I think is really cool is uh, all of these ladies are in the same small group, which um, adds kind of a, a unique dynamic to their own relationship with one another. And I'm assuming that we will speak to, to some of those things, or they will speak to some of these things uh, in the remainder of the podcast. But let's turn it over and meet who is joining us on this podcast. Um, I'm Sarah Pell. I've been married for almost uh, 18 years to John. Um, I have three kids, Emma, who's 12, Johnny, who's 10, and Nora, who is six. 
Um, I work um, in the home with my kiddos and then also part-time as a CPA. Um, I work from home before COVID and post-COVID and during COVID. Mm -hmm, Um, And yeah, that's what I do. I'm Wendy Putsky, and I've been married to Aaron Putsky for almost 19 years. Uh, My husband's a professor at Whitworth, um, so he is working from home right now. And we are also attempting to help our three kids (laughs) stay on track. Uh, Our oldest is a junior. Um, Our daughter, that's Evan, and then we have a daughter named Danny who is an eighth grader. And we have a fifth grader. Um, And then I teach um, second grade in Spokane Public Schools. My name is Jerusha Emerson, and uh, I have been married to Bert for seven years. Uh, We have a five-year-old, Samuel. um, And Bert and I are both professors at... Whitworth. Uh, He is a PhD in early American literature. Uh, I have my master's in creative writing. And so we both teach in the English department, which is pretty unique. Um, We are both teaching from home now. And so we have converted our at-home office into a space where we can both hold classes as well. I'm Shauna Armstrong, and I have been married to my husband, Josh, for 25 years. Um, He's a professor at Gonzaga University, and I am a reading intervention teacher at Roosevelt Elementary. We have four kids. Our oldest, Aiden, is turning 20 this month, um, and Eli is 18. Owen is 13, and then our daughter, Grace, is 12. And I am Shannon Davis, and I am married to Russ Davis. We've been married for 23 years, and we have four children. Carson is 20 and is at Whitworth studying. Uh, Jack is 18 and is a senior this year. Um, Mason is 16, and we have a 10-year-old at home. Ladies, thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's great that you're here. Um, so we're going to jump in, and uh, again, this is intended to be conversational, and uh, and so we'll throw out a question, and uh, if the first person that wants to jump on and, and answer the question can, and if that sparks other ideas, please feel free to um, to continue on. But kind of amidst this, uh, Sarah, as you talked about, like uh, in COVID time, so there was a pre-time and a post-time, and we're currently in this very, very unique season of life. Um how have you found it to be challenging and or um, easier in some ways, if, if that's your experience, uh, with your sense of the presence of God in your life now that you have this unique role of uh, being home and managing life in this new and unique way um, with kids in school and uh, jobs and husbands working from home and, and all of the unique challenges that have come with us. So the question being, how have how has the presence of God been real in your life? How has it been challenging? Uh, or maybe if it's been uh, easier to sense the presence of God. I'll start with this one. Um, I would say, although there have been challenges, um, one thing that has happened during this time in our family is all activities have been stripped away. And so much of our um, rhythm relies on those activities. And also um, those activities, I think, keep us from really having enough time to connect as family. And so we're all forced to be home. Um And in those times, I think, um, you know, yes, challenges in reestablishing what it looks like to spend this much time together. I think it has been a beautiful thing. And just watching, you know, our 18 year old with our 13 year old juggling the soccer ball in the front yard and things that wouldn't be happening necessarily because one would be gone or um, family meals are have always been important to us, but have um obviously become more routine regularly uh, in this time. And so I think those times have been opportunities to connect with each other 
Um, for myself, even I think like the slowing down has allowed me to um, be able to learn and grow as a mother more just with um, different challenges and then also just more time and space. I know not everybody feels like there's time and space with kids at home, but um, with the ages that our kids are, there has been more time and space for me to reflect on who I am as a mother, who I am as a child of God, and um, maybe in kind of pull in some more practices of um, the presence of God in my life and in our family. Uh, have others of you found that to be true? I, for me, I would say in some ways, yeah. Like one of the biggest blessings that's come of it is uh, we, our oldest child is a junior in high school. And normally at this point in time, we would be running between track and karate and all of the things that all of the kids do. And I'd probably see him for an hour every day. And now we're spending lots of time together and, when they're almost ready to fly, that's just this huge blessing in the middle of that to get more time with them because it's so precious. Um, for me, the biggest challenge has been balancing everything because I am trying to also teach my second graders and create lessons and, and content that's valuable to them. I'm working constantly and not just creating lessons, but answering parent emails. And, and, uh, I had to set up a Google voice so that parents could text and call me if they had questions. And so being available to my students and their families, but also monitoring what my kids are doing, uh, my own children are doing. So it's just this finding balance and finding time, um, is really hard when everything's right in front of you all of the time and all of the routines and the, the, that I had in place for making time for God or friends or my kids or you know, setting boundaries for work are gone. And so I'm having to rebalance or establish a new balance. And that's been kind of hard for me. Yeah, I think for me, um, we have such a routine as a family because we're all at Whitworth. Samuel goes to a daycare that is a preschool uh, up on campus. And so three days a week, we're all up there together. Two days a week, he and I are home together. And having that routine disassembled by the quarantine has been really challenging. Um I think one of the more challenging things is having a kiddo who is really social, is an only child, and where Bert and I have found ourselves pulled into considerably more time in front of our computers, um, being sensitive to what his uh, response is to this moment and you know, it was one thing when we first talked about it's going to be a couple of weeks and 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 he was asking on a regular basis, when do I get to see my friends at school again? Um, he's very conscious that he's headed to kindergarten next year. So all of a sudden it was all these conversations about a transition for him that I hadn't really anticipated and thought we would be talking about over the summer. And then suddenly He's talking about the friends that he's missing and when I go to kindergarten next year, will I get to see my friends that were at Whitworth and 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 he's not seeing anybody in the day. So, you know, one afternoon I found him standing out on the corner of our uh, our yard. We're on a street corner and he was literally shouting at everybody who walked by just, hi, it's going to be my birthday in two weeks. Can I give you a hug? And I was just like, I had to run out and like, buddy, um, you know, like. It, he just wants he wants other people um, besides us, and and sometimes we're we're taken up as well, and so he's just kind of hanging around, bouncing off the walls, and he's verbal, but no kid at five I think can fully wrap their head. Or I can't wrap my head around what's happening, so I don't expect him to, and so that's hard. I have found that really hard, where sometimes I just go to bed and it's heavy because I'm like, am I helping him with this, or is this? Am I just kind of like? just getting by myself and, you know, ignoring some of these things that he's going through and not having an answer for that. I don't know. I don't know. But those days are heavy days. And I find myself just asking God for grace and wisdom for him as much as me. 
Yeah, I think I would echo all those, uh, all the same things. I feel like it's equally as hard as it is, like when it comes to time to spend with God. Um, I don't think I've been able to have consistent morning time with God since I was maybe in college. And I've been able to do that because my kids roll out of bed later and we're not go, go, going in the morning, which I absolutely love and cherish. And maybe we'll have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to do so after this is all over. Um, so there's that piece that feels so good. I've also, since the day that my babies were born, planned to be the mom that had like, you know, we read the Bible and talked about something every day. Never have I done that. Um, in survival mode, I thought we're having a family meeting every day just to check in on how we're doing. And it's been this beautiful thing that we do, even on frustrating days. And I love that, you know, my oldest is 12. So it only took me 12 years to do it in a pandemic, but uh, we're doing it. And I don't know if we'll be able to keep doing it, but I, um, I do think I see all of our family's attitudes change when we'll go from being super frustrated to doing, uh, a family meeting and we all share our frustrations mostly and then kind of get some stuff out. And then, uh, it kind of recenters us, um, in ways that I could do outside of this, but just haven't had a rhythm that has felt like I could. And so that's been really positive. Um, at the same time, I have to go for a run every day to like hold down the panic and frustration I feel of being in the same house with my kids 24 hours a day while trying to balance work and homeschool, which I, you know, that was never something I wanted to do. And so I just feel like I'm kind of on a roller coaster ride of, um, you know, both of my emotions, but also my relationship with God, where one minute I'll think, oh, the birds are chirping. And I got up this morning and had this great moment with God. And three seconds later, the kids are arguing and I need to go for another run. So <laughs> you're in the best shape of your life. Go ahead. Kev. No, uh, Russ, you jump in. We uh, haven't heard from you recently. <clears throat> great. Uh, so I was saying that I think, uh, Sarah, one of the things you point out is uh, that there are definitely unique stages or challenges or we find ourselves in moments that are high and then moments that are low and then moments of um, monotony. But that is probably in some ways a microcosm of life in general, right? That we go through uh, all these various stages of life and different experiences and some uh, can be monotonous, some can be uh, exhilarating. Um, for everyone, where have there been moments in your journey of life, journey of motherhood, where you've kind of lost God in the monotony of life uh, or in the day-to-day -day routines? Uh, and if so, have you found a way to reconnect? And uh, what did that look like or what was most helpful for you? Yeah, I can definitely identify with that. Um... I think, you know, I, I married a little bit later in life. Uh, Bert and I were 35 when we met. I had Samuel uh, when I was 38. And so I think that for me, there was a certain amount of uh, settling into uh, a, a really independent life that I had that I had done. And having a kiddo was um, at that particular point in my life was really, really disruptive. And so I went from, you know, being full time at work, um, and I had been traveling for work. Um, and suddenly I was home and and I think uh, it just it, it really kind of slowed me down in ways that I, I wasn't quite prepared for. And I've actually been relating back to that moment in this moment. Um, because I get blurry headed um, in when I'm not changing up my my day, my days really blend together and I, I get really blurry headed. I get foggy um, and uh, I'm not one. Sarah is really good about going for a run and I, I need to pick up that habit. But I just am not good at like um, negotiating a day where it, it just the whole day sort of blurs and blurs into the next day and the day after that. And so um, I've gone back to something that my mom used to do, which actually is straight out of Brother Lawrence. 
Um, I think she used to quote Brother Lawrence, and I don't know if this is a quote or a paraphrase, but she talked about like the pots and pans and like praying over the pots and pans, that God is the God of pots and pans. And uh, there's something about that uh, God showing up in these really... Um, these these moments of blurriness where I'm I am like mindlessly loading the dishwasher, or um, it it just sort of seems like I'm I'm lost in a bit of a fog doing the things that need to be done. And I have found that if I start talking to God in those moments, and I yes, it's prayer, but I'm really literally just like talking to God um, about how I'm doing and what's going on something happens and um, it breaks things up for me, uh, gets me out of that brain fog that is hard for me to negotiate. And um, there have been some really precious moments, especially recently um, with the quarantine uh, where, where God has just shown up um, in those moments. And so, uh, yeah, it harkens back to when I was a new mom. Um, and I guess that wasn't that long ago, but but it's that sort of, my brain is just, my whole body is just kind of on in mode, just like gonna get the next thing done and then suddenly talking to God and I, I kind of feel like I'm back inside myself again. I can really relate to that, Jerusha. It's, I mean, like super similar. Um, in the span of my journey of motherhood, uh, how I practice my faith has changed. Right. So before I had children, it was, there were very specific regimens and things that I did and ways that God was alive for me every day. Right. And then you have kids and you're torn, um, and you're trying to balance everything and still have that relationship. And that's one of the things that I remember just so vividly from when my kids were little is talking to God while I was washing dishes. Like I didn't have the time for those daily devotionals like I did before I had children or reading the Bible every day and having 20 minutes of prayer time or anything like that. And then I, so I had to find ways to make time for God and carve it out. And when I was doing all the diapers and the dishes and the cooking, the meals, and when my kids were younger, I stayed home with them. I was at home for 13 years. And, um, and so the repetitiveness of those years, uh, one of the things that I did was every time I cooked, I'd just have a little conversation with God or I'd be washing dishes and I'd be like, I don't know how I'm going to handle this, God. You're going to speak to me, right? Right. I'm going to hear an answer, you know, little things that were just kind of, you know, just, I was literally talking to him and it changed before it was a very different relationship. And in those years, I feel like they prepared me to have of um, just a much closer, I don't want to say friendship because I, 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 but, but that's the closest word, a companion, um, during that time. And so I think one of the things that happened in those years, you know, now my kids are older, so I can, um, have a specific time that's devoted. I don't get my kids stay up late, but they're not up in the morning. <laughs> so I have lots of time in the morning. I can exercise and I can, I can do my daily devotional and, uh, that kind of structure is back in my life. But what isn't back that I'm grateful for that time period is um, this releasing of perfection and this releasing of having the way I practice my faith have to look a certain way in order for it to count. Uh, now I, I'm released of that. And I know that my faith is ingrained in everything I do. And I think my children are, are the ones to thank for that. Um. Clearly, you all are incredibly committed to your families and to your kids, uh, and you are in this unique role of mother. Um, so what is it about your kids that actually causes you or helps you to connect with God? Uh, and and maybe, maybe it is, is there or has there been a particular stage of uh, your kids' development that allowed you to, to feel more connected to God in, uh, in the midst of your kind of parenting pursuit? I don't, I don't know if connection is the right word for me, but I feel like um, relying on God, trusting him more. Uh, for me, like the teenage years have kind of, they've been a little harder than I thought they would be. And that's so naive to say. Um, but it just, 
there's so much beauty in it because I can see my kids becoming the people that God's made them to be. Um, and I can see their personalities and their thoughts and we can have these amazing conversations and I can learn about who they are on a level that I didn't before because they're becoming their own people. Um, but it also, there's a lot out there that kids can access and there's things that are available to them and no amount of talking and things that I've thought I had prepared them for, you know, sometimes that's just not things happen and it gets hard and you have to, in those moments, I've had to really trust that I've been praying for these kiddos for, for years. And I have friends who have been praying for these kiddos and I have friends who've been praying for me and that this is the, this is a God who doesn't leave my side, who doesn't leave my children's side, who is there a hundred percent of the time. And that, that trust is in those uncertain moments has been very uh, comforting for me. Like what you're saying is that uh, the teenage years have uh, kind of forced you (laughs) into a place of trust and greater dependence on God, which is part of what it means to practice the presence. Right, exactly. I mean, when they're little, they they were in my bubble and I had control over everything and I like control, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. But now they're not, they're forging their own way. And that means that I have to let go. And Mm. I, my reliance on God is, is being proven right now. Yeah. I think my kids have helped um, develop my theology in that I remember, you know, there's various theologies that um, believe the idea of like depravity. And I remember when my kids, um, and I'm not saying I don't believe any of that. I'm not getting into a theological conversation about it. But (laughs) when I watch my children when they were babies, and then as they grew into toddlers and young children, no matter how frustrating they were, there's like deep in my gut, I see their goodness. And I see their, um, that God created them to be these like amazing little people. And I think that as I watched them grow and my love for them grow, um, I just can't believe that that's not how God would feel about us being our creator. And so any of the theologies that seem to sort of question this idea of like God's unforsaking love for us, um, as I have become a parent, don't make sense to me anymore. Um, and so I think they've really changed my theology, uh, or maybe just shored up a theology that I feel like says that we are beloved. Um, and then having adopted, I think that just once again, uh, is this, if, if I can adopt a child and love them from my gut and from the depths of who I am, um, that God's love for us is just amazing. And he's made us to be the kind of people that can love deeply and love well and love without boundary. And um, I think that children can teach us that as parents. Uh, Sarah, did, um, so as you have begun uh, or have seen that theology change, do you think that that changed the way that you believe God sees you? Or did that just affirm the way that you believe God sees you? I think for me, it affirmed it because I kind of grew up with uh, a pretty close theology to that. But um, I've also lived in lots of different places and been around a lot of different understandings of that. Um, So I think for me, it confirmed and made me it's hard for me to believe that um, that God sees us as disgust, you know, or depraved, um, though I know I am based on. My parenting, (laughs) I don't know that God sees me as depraved, um, as I don't think I would ever describe my children as depraved, Um, though I see them do things that are absolutely against what I think is helpful to others. um, I think at their core and at their guts, they are um, meant to do good and meant to be a positive influence on the world and that, um, the world influences them in various ways to, you know, but that's a whole nother theological conversation, I guess. Podcast that we'll do later. (laughs) (laughs) They, uh, they say it takes a village to raise a child and, um, you guys are all uniquely in the same small group. 
And um, I guess my question is, how does community uh, help you in your parenting? I think community is also a way of seeing and experiencing God. So I think those things are uh, similar. But how has community helped you uh, through parenting and even in the process of connecting with God? I think really practically. Um, I grew up in an environment that was really supportive. Um, we were missionaries um, and the church that we were in in the UK had a number of other families that had kids the same age. And so while I didn't have a close relationship with my grandparents um, or a particularly close relationship with my aunts and uncles at a young age, I knew what it was to call other people um, auntie and to have uh, adopted grandparents who would come and read to us on Wednesdays and have lunch with us. And um, so I saw my parents do life with people that was modeled. And it's something that I have always desired and looked for. Um, and then having a family um, and moving to Spokane, it was a serious concern of mine. Uh, we just moved four years ago and, and um, I was absolutely blown away by the community that we found at Newcom and um, being in small group and having my kiddo um, start to call people, <laughs> you know, he came down earlier and he saw Sarah and he said, oh, it's Aunt Sarah. And it just blesses my heart um, because he knows that there's this bigger net. He knows that there, there are other people. Um, that those other people love Jesus, um, that they have different expressions of that and um, and that they have kids and, and they're raising their kids um, to know Jesus. Um, and so there is this incredible sense of I don't have to get it all right. Uh, I am not the final say and only say in my kid's life. He's getting all this other feedback Um and he talks about Sunday school and what he's learning in Sunday school and the other kids that he's friends with in Sunday school and what he's learning from them. And um, I, I could not, it takes so much pressure off my parenting to know that um, I have other people I can go to and just absolutely spill my guts about what I think I'm failing in and what I'm getting wrong or my marriage or any of those things. And I can be really transparent and I don't, I don't, I just don't have to do it alone. I don't have to fi have it all figured out. And I, I couldn't do it any other way. I, I don't know what would happen to me if I tried, but it wouldn't be healthy. And I would say if I was going to take it from a different angle, that community while peer support have been huge for me, um, in parenting, I think almost just as, just as much, if not more has been, um, utilizing the people who are stage ahead of us in parenting, because as I think, as we encounter new stages, as our kids grow, there are obviously new situations that come up that, um, you know, just put you kind of on your heels a little bit. And instead of guessing, which is often sometimes what we end up doing, but, um, we have looked at people who are been ahead of us at the stage of life that our kids are currently and gone, okay, they've done it. And we've seen how it's, um, how they've operated. And so it's like sitting down and, and asking them, what would you do? Or how did you do it? And, um, and sometimes it's like asking three or four people who all have different insights into it, because I don't think there's one right way to parent. Um, but it sure has been helpful to get insight into um, different ways of looking at things that are brand new to us. I would completely concur with that. I am so incredibly grateful and have been so blessed to have uh, the women the families in the small group that we have, because a couple of them are just enough ahead of me that I, in the parenting journey that I can say, <laughs> this is what's going on. And they have been so kind and so gracious um, to offer 
support and ideas. And many times just knowing that I'm not alone, that I'm not the only person in the entire world whose kid has ever done something stupid, which, you know, (laughs) their kids, they do stupid stuff. Um, But hearing it from people who I admire and whose perspectives I value, um, that's been a huge thing when throughout the journey um, of having those peers who can say, oh my gosh, my kid's doing that same thing. And you can go, okay, maybe it's just a phase. Okay. My kid's not going to, isn't a terror. This is something that's normal. The giving you that perspective by somebody who's in the throes of it with you, but then having somebody who is ahead of the game and you has wisdom and perspective is, is just, it's a huge blessing. I don't think I could do it without that. And a lot of times it's my mom too, like, you know, relying, it's not just your, your parents. It's this, it's a group of people who you trust, who God has put in your path along the way, who you can be completely real with. And that's, for me, that's been a huge help. Uh, So we've been talking a lot in these last few moments about uh, various stages of life and various stages of parenting. Uh, We've even talked about this idea that we're in a unique season in time. And many of you expressed things that you have loved or things that you're choosing to um, look at the positive of this experience. Um, could each of you perhaps give anyone listening one piece of advice, uh, about how you're going to continue to try to stay connected to God when the rhythm of life goes back to some semblance of normal. So when we're kind of shifting out of this quarantine stage into more freedom into the future and how soon that'll be, uh, is anybody's guess. But as you move into that, what about this rhythm do you want to carry over? Or what about, uh, what piece of advice would you give to help others think through what it looks like to connect with God when life gets back to normal? My first thought is how can I possibly keep the mornings that I love and uh, you know quietness of our house that doesn't wake up until 1030 <laughs> in when we go back to normal, you know, mornings, I'd love to say I'm a morning person, but when the schedule is moving and I'm working full time and we have a busy, um, after school life, like Sarah said, getting up at 4am, that sounds like nightmarish. You know, I wouldn't be able to have the, the same time, um, that I do now, but at the same time, I think, you know, even if that time isn't two hours and I'm not saying I'm sitting with God for two hours intentionally, but just having that time where I have thoughts to myself and um, the quietness of the house, but just even if it's just a few minutes. And to be honest, I was thinking um, about the idea of when, like for me, the Lenten um, devotional that Newcom did was the first time that I was able to wrap my mind around or make happen, you know, those few moments in the mornings regularly for a long time before kids, which is 20 years. Um, so I think to just be able to say, yes, I can do this and, um, make that time in the mornings, although it might just be a few minutes will be something that I want to hang on to and, um, you know, continue it, continue now and then see how it goes. Um, when life starts to go back to normal. Yeah, I'd second the idea of the just even if it's five minutes in the morning to start my day. I now that you said that I had started it when we started that Lenten book, too. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the length of it or the ideas in it or what it was this perfect combination that um, allowed me to do that in the morning. And um, and I guess I had started that prior to the covid having my kids at home. I think. And so, um, continuing something and realizing that five minutes does make a difference. Um, cause sometimes it really is only a couple minutes that we have to recenter ourselves, but like starting our days like that is, uh, such a better way than, um, 
all the other, starting my days looking at my phone. So I made a rule when that this started that I was going to get up and read that prior to looking at my phone in the morning. And I was really disciplined about it, mostly because I was starting to feel that panic that um, I knew that I needed some really for myself, the more disciplined I am when I feel out of control, the better I feel. And so I was really, really disciplined. And I just think that not looking at my phone prior to um, look uh, centering myself around what God might have for my day is something that I could do, um, no matter what situation I'm in. So that would be a goal that I would have that now I've put on a podcast. So now I have to do it. Accountability. Another benefit of community. (laughs) We're going to check on you. Um, for me, I'd like to, well, at, first of all, I question, I don't know if I want to go back to what our normal was before. And I, I, I know that people like maybe shaking their head at me, but there's, there's some simplicity here that I kind of like. Um, I mean, there are things that I really don't that are really hard. That's not what I mean. Um, but there, there are things that I'm enjoying. And so I think trying to be really conscious of those things that bring more simplicity and peace into our family um, and less feeling like we're on a hamster wheel um, being keeping mind of, of those things there, that would be really beneficial to us. Yeah. And before this all happened, I had spent like three and a half months where I had hardly gone on any social media and and then like two weeks into <laughs> isolation, I broke. <laughs> and so I don't know, maybe, maybe stepping off of that again would be good for me mentally, because it frees up more of my mind space. Yeah, I would piggyback off what Wendy said, I think, um, I don't necessarily know if I want to return back to normal per se. And I'm not sure. Um, if that can always be necessarily, uh, protected. However, I think I can make a conscious and more concerted effort to be, um, uh, more aware of what we are saying yes to, or, um, ingesting. Um, sometimes it can be more of a rabbit, um, we just are a hamster wheel, I should say, where we're just caught up in things. And I don't think that that is necessarily helpful. Um, for me, yeah. um, when we're caught up in the hamster wheel, I have found, and cause sometimes you get into it and you don't even realize you're that much on the wheel until you step off and you realize, Oh right. man. Um, but I have noticed since all of this have started, while there's been a lot of things that have been difficult Um, I have, I am more present with people, whether it's my kids or, um, you know, if I see a neighbor, I am actually present to speak to them in both a physical way, but also the mental space to actually ask questions and listen. Um, And I think those are super healthy and ways for me to actually um, experience the presence of God um, because I am much more present. And so it's also another way for me to be, um, you know, as your kids get older, I really enjoy them more and they will eventually leave the house and move on. And these are the moments I want to engage with them Mm -hmm. and be present. And, um, so it's almost like an intentionality as you were speaking, that word came to mind, like, like intentional about how we use our time and, and what takes our energy when we go back and, and being brave enough to, to question with not just yourself, but your collective family to go, mm-hmm. okay, is this something we want to bring in? Cause there's obviously going to be lots of things that are going to be asking for our time and interest and some things that absolutely should. Um, so how do we be more intentional perhaps in being aware that we're purposefully bringing them in? Yeah. Jerusha, any final thought, uh, piece of advice? 
Yeah, I think I I really resonate with what with what everyone has already said. Um, and I think for me personally, um, going back to that space where prayer is part of my whole day is um, it's part of how I tick and and part of um, part of that intent. I like that word. I think that's right, Wendy. Is like that intentionality for me. Prayer is the thing that. Um, constantly reminds me that our temporal experience is really temporal and fleeting. And, um, and so as often as I'm able to just in my, in my day, start talking to God about stuff and not keeping it to myself until there's a quiet moment. Um, but allowing the spirit to speak to me, um, even when it's noisy and, um, and then pressing in and, and talking to the Lord about things that are going on instead of just keeping them to myself um, because I'm frustrated or um, or because there isn't a moment to stop and like really get in touch with what's going on. So I just start like babbling to God about stuff in my head, um, sometimes out loud, but there's not a lot of alone time for that. So. But I th- it just that, you know, that rhythm of prayer throughout the day that um, stirs gratitude, that stirs the reminder of eternity being right there that stirs um a, a kinship with the kingdom that causes me to see people differently and and see my circumstances with perspective um i don't want to lose that that i have absolutely come back to that in in this time and um i want to maintain that that rhythm of prayer throughout my day um, whether there's quiet in my day or not that there can still be prayer With that, um, we will wrap up. Uh, I want to say this. Kevin and I talk about this often, but we feel like there are some amazing, amazing mothers and wives in our community that uh, are so influential, not only in their families' lives, but in the life of the city and uh, specifically in the life of the community. And uh, we have the utmost respect for all five of you. And uh, grateful that you would spend the time with us uh, to share. Uh, I think what you communicated speaks volumes about not only your deep love for uh, your spouse, deep love that you have for your kids, but also uh, just the passion you have to know and uh, live for God and uh, how to navigate that in the midst of uh, either these difficult times or just the challenges of being a parent and being a mother uh, that's loving kids in all various stages uh, with unique personalities. And uh, you guys pull it off with uh, a lot of grace. So thanks again for uh, being a part of it. And um, Kev, any final words on the podcast? Nope, Kevin left again. Kevin's like, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) If you kept going without me, I'm done. (laughs) Kevin's having some Zoom troubles uh, this afternoon. Poor guy. Again, uh, just so grateful that you would uh, spend the time. And um, yeah. And our checks are in the mail. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. That's right. I, I would just. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I would just add that, you know, whatever any parents are feeling out there, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's, if it's really hard for you right now, or if you're loving parts of it, or if you feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster, I really think like we're all there. And I think that's something, even if you're not a parent, you can relate to. So trust in God right now. Good word, Wendy. Uh, we'll make sure to add that in. To oh, the podcast. you don't have to. <laughs> Join me in this Mother's Day prayer. To the Almighty God who mothers us, bless every mother, grandmother, and all who carry the role of mothering today with a deep measure of grace to acknowledge themselves as the beloved. May you validate their worth so that deep within their spirit they have no reason to doubt that they are loved, valued, and cherished in the eyes of their Heavenly Mother. Bless them with a profound dependency on you, that they will acknowledge their inadequacies, yet confirm in their hearts the work of their hands. 
let them know that you reward faithfulness, not measured in accomplishments or accolades. Remind them that nothing can ever separate them from your love and substitute any guilt, real or false, and replace it with your amazing grace and forgiveness. Create in them a deep sense of your divine protection and trust so that worry and fear fade away. Supply them with courage to persevere even in the most difficult moments of life and give them an unswerving desire to know you. Where prayers may seem unanswered and dreams are not yet realized, let them know that every prayer spoken on behalf of their children and grandchildren has been transformed into fragrant offerings before you. Bless them with honesty, integrity, and a mystical playfulness. Grant them to love without limitations, pray without ceasing, have joy that is contagious, and a life without regrets. And let their life overflow with all the blessings they deserve on days designed to give them honor and on every day of their life. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Join me in prayer as we close with a benediction. New community, go forth into our world in faithfulness. May you constantly remember that God is in both the extraordinary and the mundane, and may you choose to find him in the ordinary. Take off your shoes this week because the place you are standing is holy ground. May you be courageous in the work you do, generous in the love you give, and gracious toward all you meet, that the name of Jesus may be praised. And we pray this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.